Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, it wasn't a very good weekend in Starkville, and it went just like uh, all the other ones have. Yeah. You know, it's tough to play a game. Uh, well, I wouldn't say it's tough. But, you know, UK lost 31-17, to 17 and they played so poorly that you forgot, at least I did, that they were up 10-0 to 0 in that game. So they did avoid the dreaded uh, double-digit first-half deficit that I talked about last week. But uh, midway through the third quarter, though, it was clear that they were not going to win that game, which was uh, surprising to me. We didn't do a predictions episode over the weekend, but on Cat's Paws, we, we had our predictions, and I picked a seven-point win. Um, but all week, though, it was not a game that I that I thought was a gimme. But, Sean, they certainly played worse than I expected. Yeah, and it was one of those things where you look up and second quarter and Mississippi State's not on the board yet. Kentucky's got a 10-0 lead, and you're thinking, all right. like, But then it's still at that point, it still hadn't felt like Kentucky had played very well. Even when they were up 10-0, it still had that uneasy feeling, and then Mississippi State goes and gets that first touchdown, and that was just an ugly drive for Kentucky's defense. They just – and you could kind of see it happening then, and then it was one of those things where does the offense answer, and you started seeing some issues there on offense as well, and it, the dam broke. Like, it just completely broke. And I think the dam finally broke, though, on the interception right before the half. I just think that that's when it really started to just kind of be like, all right, this just is not going to be Kentucky's night had Josh Ali for a touchdown, overthrew him, and then just made a throw Will Levis there where you just cannot make that throw in that situation, that you've got to get points there. And, I mean, if, if they get a field goal and it's a one-point game or if they complete the throw to Ali, does it spark them and get them going? I don't know. But it just uh, – the, the defense was on the field way too long, one, because they couldn't stop them, and two, because Kentucky's offense could not do a thing. Yeah, I had five notes here written down, and Levis was one of them. You brought him up, so I'll get into that. You're right. That throw, uh, the interception to Cummings, that no doubt took points off the board, but that was uh, – I'm not going to call out one single player because, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, like you mentioned, I mean, their defense – I mean, a kid set an SEC record for completion percentage, okay? So there's plenty of blame to go around <laughs> in this game. But – if you do pick out a couple plays here or there and you say, you know, you can do this for any game um, where maybe the game is different, that throw to Ali that you're talking about, it's one of them. But the first drive, you texted me right away. You were down there on the interception when he was trying to find Robinson. You said Ali's open over the middle. If you go watch Van Hiles' Twitter uh, from yesterday, he had a breakdown. He, he brought that play up specifically. Um, but what you see, and what I mean, you could see it on TV too uh, on Saturday night. Robinson's open though on that throw with a better throw near near the sideline. Um, I thought it might be a touchdown watching the replay. I don't know that it would have been, uh, but it would have been, you know, completion down close to the goal line, uh, uh, inside the 10 anyway. And that ball is underthrown. That's frustrating because the next one, like you're talking about Tali, he gets his uh feet planted, has Ali streaking down the sidelines, and he overthrows them. If he hits that, if he hits either of those throws. You know, we're having an entirely different conversation right now. You know, that would have been, yeah. I mean, uh, instead of being down 14 to 10, you could have gone up to the half 17, 14, feeling like you hadn't really played that great, but you're still winning. And, um, and then, I mean, you're right to throw it. I couldn't really figure out what was going on there. Double coverage. I don't, it's almost like he tried to throw it to the outside of Cummings when he was starting to go to the, 
I don't know. He wasn't really open. But, hey, I do want to give props. That was a really impressive pick that kid had off the tip because he was already kind of diving towards that way and uh, had to slow his body down. And the thing, too, I don't know if I ever remember a quarterback that has so many balls that just bounce straight up in the air. Like, it feels like there's at least two a game that – and sometimes they don't get picked. But my, And I know that's a part of the game, but, goodness, it feels like every interception he's had this year, majority of them, has been just balls batted straight up in the air and it falls right into the opponent's lap. I mean, it's just – I don't know. But he he has to be better. And, and I disagreed with a lot of the stuff that I saw with people talking about how bad that he's not really been good. I thought he was fantastic against LSU. I thought he was great against Georgia. He's been really good. He just had a bad night, and it was a night that they didn't need him to have a bad night because they couldn't get the running game going. Uh, they couldn't do anything defensively. I mean, it's just co- across the board. Special teams is the only thing that they were good at. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, that was uh... – If they could have just fielded a few more punts, they might have probably won the game. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Josh Ali, 74-yard punt return, first one for a touchdown since Lynn Bowden in 2018. That's a highlight. Matt Ruffalo hit his only field goal attempt, hit his only – or, no, I guess he had two extra point attempts, hit both of those. And then, like we were talking about before the game totally collapsed, Colin Goodfellow booms, what, like a 74-yard punt or 70-yard punt? His second basically, yarder of the season, right? Consecutive weeks. Didn't he have one at Georgia, too? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. So, that's uh, that one went in the end zone, right, against Georgia. I think it rolled into the end zone. But that punt set up – I mean, it put Penn State back, and they were just – basically try not to get a safety and UK was able to get the ball back and had a chance to, to score on that series that uh, ended in interception. <laughs> Do what? You said Penn state. Oh, Mississippi state. Yeah. Uh, thinking about, uh, hey, we're, we're talking about a transfer quarterback from Penn state. It's, it's easy to do right now. I'm just thinking about this uh, citrus bowl rematch with yeah. Penn state that they're going to have this year. Uh, no, nah, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to end up, but uh, one other thing I had written down, Sean, we just talked about the offensive turnovers. Um, the play, so Kentucky's defense, I I don't know. I'll be curious to hear what Brad White has to say tomorrow or what Stoops goes back and says today. Uh, we're recording this before Stoops' Monday noon presser. Uh, Will Rogers, 36-39. That's a 92% completion percentage. It set an SEC record for completion percentage on a minimum of 30 attempts. He only threw for one touchdown and 344 yards really isn't like for an air raid offense. It doesn't feel awful to me. I mean, you know what I mean? But 94 rushing yards, they were able to get some stuff going on the ground that they hadn't really done as much this year. They had three rushing touchdowns whenever they went into the game. Well, it, I think it was six on the it season. Really, it really threw Kentucky off, too, when they had rushing touchdowns in the red zone. Yes. That's something they had not been doing all season. And they had three in the yeah. red zone. So, uh, that, that was concerning. And I want to talk about just – playmaking because we talked about Levis's throws that that could have potentially changed the game on better throws defensively and I don't want to I mean he's been one of their best players this year but Yusuf Corker like yeah drops a pick there in the red zone that could have kept points off the board you know the team's not playing well it felt like Mississippi State was just basically doing whatever it wanted against him but you get a player out there hits him right in the hands and he just drops it and then he gets caught on a horse collar the next play I believe that series I don't want to say UK got lucky because a penalty is a penalty, but I think a hold kept Mississippi State off the board. I'm pretty sure it was a touchdown, and they ended up having to kick a field goal. Um, But that's a player out there, man. That's your senior leader in a great spot. He does everything besides catch the ball. And uh, 
at that point, Sean, it's a 14 to 10 game, you know, and you could get the ball back to early in the half. But, um, you know, the big deal, though, and it's turnovers, yes, on the offense. And, you know, we haven't even talked yet about the total collapse in the third quarter. That was uh, – I mean, that ended the game right there. And it was Whenever. and it was honestly one of the worst stretches. We've seen some bad stretches under Mark Stoops just in, in certain games, especially early on. But that third quarter was one of the worst I'd ever seen. It was one of the worst stretches of play that I'd ever seen under Mark Stoops' team. Well, I mean, you can't execute a simple handoff, uh, whether it was on Levis or whether it was on Rodriguez, whoever. But, I mean, that's you got to be able to turn and hand the hand the ball. Well, I was off, holding my, right? I was holding my breath on the the tosses with the running backs running downhill <laughs> and tossing. I'm like, my gosh, they're they're not even able to hold on the ball right now, handing it off, and we're tossing it backwards with him running like. And, and with with Rodriguez, too, I mean, here's a guy that's been so good. He's leading the league in rushing. And, I mean, what's going on, Derek? I mean, we're was it 13 carries the last two weeks? Is that what it's been? Is that the total number between Georgia and Mississippi State? Uh, I think he had 15. I think he had seven. Okay. Against Georgia. He had seven yards, seven attempts for seven yards, I think, against Georgia. And then last – or Saturday night, eight carries for 34 yards. <laughs> but, I mean, but, uh, that's not going to get it done. Like the – well, yeah, that's two straight games. They've not been able to run the ball. And, again, like, where the big number to me comes in, I mean, they only ran 48 play. That was very much, Sean, it felt like the South Carolina game, only they finally played a team that was, like, good enough to yep. take advantage. I mean, South Carolina is, is very, very, very bad this season. And uh, that was another thing I want to talk about in this episode. Like, there, there were signs. I, I know that everyone – maybe not everyone, but a lot of people – and I understand that we talked about on the podcast. Like, when you looked at the schedule, 11-1, and one, based on who they were playing, it felt like it was certainly attainable. But I think deep down, most fans would tell you that, like, they had not played – at an 11 does that make sense that no they're no. i mean they had not played at the level that you thought that they would you know that it was gonna be a gimme to well uh, you go back to chattanooga and south carolina they didn't play very well i mean it, overall like those are two games that had that been anyone else on the schedule that day kentucky probably loses games those two yeah games. i mean the big thing south carolina one uk was able to run the ball i think they had like 250 rushing yards that game they were just kind of stopping themselves that game Against Mississippi State, they were not only stopping themselves, they weren't really – they couldn't run the ball. I mean, 66 rushing yards. And and then, again, when you get down, though, like you got to start throwing up more things like that. I understand it. But uh, – This is also a team to me that just kind of feeds off Kroger Field, that it's just a completely different – there, yeah. Mm-hmm. That it's just completely different level of play. I mean, even you go to South Carolina, you go to Mississippi State, you go to Georgia. I mean, it's just been a completely different level of play across the board at home. Outside of the Chattanooga game, they've played every game at home. I thought they played very, very well. Some stats uh, that I think are worth pointing out, um, and this is where it's even more – it's like when you want to diagnose problems, I mean, big big numbers for Mississippi State, I mean, they just couldn't get them off the, off the field. 41 minutes, time, time of possession. Stoops decided to punt the ball. Yeah. I really did not like his answer as to it after the game because his mindset was basically he thought if they would have gone for it. Like, in his mind – so what he said – I don't have the exact quote in front of me. Yeah, I can pull it. Well, no, I don't. I can't pull it up, I don't think. Well, it's, it, I mean, I know what he said. It was basically, in his mind, going for it and not getting it would have been game over, whereas he thought punting the ball would still give them a chance. But my, my 
I don't think this was a black and white decision. One was obviously right or one was obviously wrong. But it still shows the mentality of a defensive-minded head coach. He still felt like putting his defense on the field, despite the fact that they hadn't really stopped them all night, was still a better chance for them to win the game whenever I think it was – that was disputable <laughs> for sure. Well, that uh, The game was pretty much over the way they'd been playing. But I thought as soon as he punted it, the game was over. He punted it eight minutes left. They didn't get the ball back. But but <laughs> you mentioned this, his answer. His answer did not make sense at all, though. Like to me, it didn't. Because I'm uh, like, okay, it's an it's seven minutes or so to go in the game. You you need to go for it here. I mean, you're down two touchdowns. Like you're yeah. down. I mean, obviously, if you're down one possession, then yes, it makes all the sense in the world to punt it and try to one either get a turnover or get the ball back via punt. But whenever you're down two scores, you've not really stopped them. And let's say you even have a good series, Sean. They're still would have, you still would have got the ball back. What probably five ish minutes left. I mean, that's assuming you just give up one first down. They gave up twenty seven on the night, so they didn't really play well at all. I mean, I don't, I don't like I said with the defensive was, stuff. I don't even know what what they were trying. A, it was just a very frustrating game to watch. Whether you're a fan or what, it was just so frustrating to watch because at no point did you ever feel like, especially once it got third quarter, you're like Kentucky just cannot stop them. No, that I mean, was uh, like tackles in space. Just they they looked faster. Kentucky looked slow. No pressure on the quarterback. Just nothing. There, there was no game changing plays on the defensive side of the game, and that's where they've been so good. Even overcoming like with the turnovers, and I mean the turnover thing. It's fine. It finally got them right. You can't turn oh, yeah. the ball over. The way that they did in the third quarter just completely ended the game because the defense didn't have a chance then to even make a stop or, or do anything like it was just deflating to watch. And then the, the narrative continues. Why in the heck is it so hard to go for, for them to win? Heck, why is it so hard for them to play well in Starkville? It's not that they don't win. They don't even play well when they go there. Uh, yeah, why, why is there so many struggles off of a bye week? Like it, at some point we all have to just kind of just pick this team to lose every time they come off a bye week, unless they're playing Vanderbilt. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, you're 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 right. I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that causes them to play so poorly. Um, and, I, and I don't want to say that Georgia beat them twice because I don't think that that's the case. I just I don't know what it was. Like it just they just they certainly like you said. Even though that they were they had a chance to go eleven and one, they had a schedule that if they had played well Saturday, I think, and then they get this one coming up, they they would have gone eleven and one. They were in conversations for the college football playoff, you know, you saw some, some models that, and people talking like, Hey, Kentucky's still a player here. If they go 11 and one to me, it just showed that there's, what am I trying to say here? They're, they've, they've figured out how to handle success, but it just feels like that they're still, they're not where they want to be. Obviously. I mean, they're still a ways away. I mean, it was cool to live in that moment and see Kentucky being mentioned and discussed, but they're still not there yet, Derek. They're just not to that. And, and let's face it. Like they're not, 11 and well, college football playoff teams don't go to Starkville and struggle that way. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. 
It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. No, I mean, I'm not trying to compare Kentucky to Alabama at all, but I think Alabama beat them by 40, right, on their field. They did. So, in, oh. But, can, I mean, that's the thing, like, right, we're – now you got to put it behind you because you can't let this season. I have a, I have, I have a lot of takes. Like I, I'm really confident that they're going to go nine and three, at worst. I don't know if nine and three sits well with some people though, Derek. Considering where they were at six and zero oh and and everything, and everybody wanting a New Year's Six Bowl. Like if let's just say that they go to the Citrus again, I mean, great, you're going to the Citrus Bowl again. Like uh, when they did it the first time, it was a big deal for Kentucky. Doing it the second time, it's still something that's not happened at UK, but. Fans are thinking New Year's Six. I think Mark Stoops is thinking New Year's Six. And honestly, like anything short of that right now, I just think it would be a blown opportunity. Yeah, we got about 10 minutes left here. I mean, this this is this Tennessee game is massive for sure. Um, I'm with you. It's weird. It's weird because, you know, college football, I think more than any other sport, and I've talked about this before, it changes your expectations change so much. Prior to the season, yeah, if you would have told fans that UK was going to win nine games this year, beat Louisville, beat Florida, beat LSU. Uh, people, I think, would have certainly taken that. I mean, that, that's more wins than I had them projected. I'd had them eight and four. So, in, in that sense, people would have liked it. But then you get into the season, LSU's basically already fired at Oregon. Florida is not looking good at all. They're four and four. And, I, and again, I'm not trying to take away from, from UK winning those games. Those are still big wins for UK. You just look at the schedule and, uh, you know, they did a good job to win those games. And you get into it. And I, and I, I somewhat – I know what you're saying, and I do agree to an extent that, you know, because they started so well, because they won those games, it opens up a new area of possibility for the team that maybe you didn't expect in the preseason. And then you look at the opponents that you need to beat to get there. And it did feel – like it's winnable. And I still think if you beat Tennessee, like beating Tennessee is big because, you know, we're both assuming they're going to beat Vanderbilt. You could get to six conference wins. They've only done that one time before in the history of Kentucky football in 1977. They won six SEC games. That would be a big deal. You would beat Tennessee two straight years for the first time since the 70s. Probably uh, finish I mean, in the top 10. Yeah. If you get to 10 wins, like it, that's my thing. I mean, people, I saw some like uh, on message boards and Twitter, like some people like losing it for losing to Mississippi State. I was a little surprised by that just because they have played so I mean, bad there. To me, and, Mississippi State's a team that I think when we look back on this thing at the end of the year, they're probably going to be one of the better teams Kentucky played. Like they're going to finish with a better record yeah. than a lot of the teams they've beaten. Yeah, they've still got to play Ole Miss. Um, but, yeah, they do have some more winnable. I mean, they're, they got Arkansas this weekend, Auburn, Tennessee State. So, they're going to get to a bowl. I said, they, sure. I said coming home yesterday they'd get to eight wins. I think they'll lose to Auburn, but they could beat everybody else. That's, that's where so, I – yep. So, that yeah. put them eight and four. Also, really quick side note, Auburn, Auburn turned out to be pretty good. They did. Year. They uh, did. And, you know, credit to them. I mean, that's uh, – I had them low on my SEC West predictions, and I think I had Mississippi State at the very bottom of it, if I'm not mistaken, or close mm-hmm. to it. But hey, Sean, let's go. Let's go we back to the games, this, right? Yeah, for sure. Let's go back to this. Uh, I say the Tennessee game, but really, it's the big picture. And 
Kentucky, I think you could argue, has already overachieved this season. Um, they're, they're 12th overall in team talent in the SEC if you go by recruiting rankings. But, you know, the numbers like 7 through 12 are very close. I mean, there's not a huge differential between that. They are still trending for not just their – best class in school history, but like far and away, if everything falls right for them and it's recruiting. So, and there's still six weeks till signing day. So, you know, I guess tread lightly a little bit. If you're someone who, you know, gets nervous because there's, there's going to be some battles here down the stretch, but if they close well, it will far and away be the best class and it will be a, a caliber of player. They typically have not got, well, not necessarily the caliber of player. They've, they've gotten four stars, things like that, but like, they would have beaten out some some really talented or beaten out some really good schools for some really talented players. And that that will put you with with the transfer guys that should be able to add. Like I think the talent level is going to be increasing after this season. You hope that 2023 is another good class. I don't know that they're going to be able to best case scenario, this class I think will be a peak, honestly, just with the connections that they had. And I'm I'm gonna talk about all this stuff for a signing day episode down the road. Well but I just think big picture people like need to uh, take a, just take a little step back. I know it's frustrating watching them go down there. If you had your hopes set on 11 and one, you're going to be really disappointed with how poorly they played. But even if they don't beat Tennessee, if they went out, look good doing it those last three games, which they should, I mean, Louisville, Louisville might be a, a tougher. I do think Louisville will be a tougher game, obviously the New Mexico state or Vanderbilt still think people will be happy. But if you went out from here, Sean, people are going to forget all about, they, State game. Well, and that, that's where I'm coming from, and I'm and I've said this line so many times this season that it's, I mean, it's probably people were thinking, well, he's probably going to say it about New Mexico State too. But in my opinion, I think Saturday against Tennessee is the biggest games of, Mar- of, of the Mark Stoops era, and here's why: because if they win it, I think that they're on the track for a New Year's Six, and that is just game changing for your program if you can win it. But I'm not saying it's like a must, must win, like deflating the program if they if they lose to Tennessee. But it's just so big for what it could do because then ten is in the ten is there. You can get to ten and you get to do something that the team three years ago didn't do. That's why I think it's big. Like it just shows progress. It shows that you're you're still able to achieve greater things at UK. I just think nine and three citrus again. It's just kind of deflating for Mark Stoops and, and them. And I'm not and I'm not saying it's a bad thing for the program. Like if that's what Kentucky consistently becomes, great. It's going to be fun to cover it. And fans are going to love it. But you just don't know how many chances you're going to get to get to a New Year's six in the SEC, especially with the expansion and everything that's coming to the league. You, you just don't know. I just think that that's and I, and I think Kentucky's going to come out and I think they're going to play well. I think they they play well at Kroger Field. It's the last chance for them to have a great home environment. Look, New Mexico State's not going to be rocking. I'm sorry. Like, it's not. It's probably <laughs> going to be a day game or just – I don't know. This is their last chance to put on a show at Kroger Field. They could go the entire season undefeated at home, which is a big deal. And uh, they need a great atmosphere Saturday night, and they have a lot to play for. These guys got to dig in and forget about Mississippi State. And if they win Saturday night, fans are going to forget all about the loss in Starkville. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the SEC standing. It's still so jumbled up, but you're right. I mean, if, if they lose this game, they're not getting – they're not even going to be in the conversation for New Year's Six. So, you know, if you win this one, great shot to finish 10-2. and two. And, and to me, that six-win mark in the SEC is significant. And the smaller scheme, uh, you know, smaller level um, 
Kentucky fans have sat through a lot of heartbreak against Tennessee and to have a even just a true winning streak against them to win two games. Well, I mean, the thing is, is Tennessee is going to make big plays. Like they're going to have some plays and some chunk plays, but Kentucky's also going to have the ball a lot more. They should yes. than they did against Mississippi State. It, it's not going to be one of those things where you're just sitting there and you're just bleeding out and you can't stop it. Like that's what it felt like against Mississippi State. Like no one could stop the bleeding <laughs> on defense. I think Tennessee's offense is going to also allow Kentucky's defense to step up and make some plays. Guys just have to make them. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee next to last in, in time of possession, but they score so well. I mean, they're one of the best scoring offenses in the country, very much predicated on the big play, and I think that's concerning because uh, I've totally changed my mind on the worst group on – well, I don't want to – well, yeah, I'll just say it. N- need to focus on the cornerback uh, room this offseason, adding some guys there. I, um, I mean, that was, that, was, that was tough Saturday night in the sense that uh, I don't know that Mississippi State – threw the ball down the field, one, without completing it, or two, without a pass interference call being made. And really, Sean, I didn't really have any gripes about any of those pass interference calls against UK either. I think every single one of them probably was. I mean, Moses in the end zone was definitely pass interference. I mean, I mean, Valentine had one and Dort had one. They all had them. Uh, every cornerback that played had a, had a pass interference call against them. So I think that's concerning just because Tennessee is so good at, at getting the big play. Um, we'll talk more about the Vols later this week. But, yeah, I mean, I guess my closing thoughts, I mean, obviously very disappointing game. But that's why, I mean, when you go 4-0 in the turnover margin, like if you play anyone with a pulse, you're, you're going to lose, especially on the road. They got very lucky earlier this season. They played a team like South Carolina that could not take advantage of that. You saw what happened, though. I mean, you turn it over twice on consecutive plays in – Mississippi State starting inside, I think, the 30 both times. And they converted it to points and uh, to touchdowns, actually. So that ended the game right there. And you get out game by 200-something yards. You allow 31 straight points. Like, that felt worse. That felt worse than a two-touchdown yeah. game. And but – Well, go for you it. Know. Well, I mean, and it's it's odd because you go six for ten on third down. Like, yeah. you – it was just the turnovers killed them. Uh, and then, of course, whenever you can't force turnovers on your own, that's what leads to crazy time of possessions when you can't get off the field on third down. It's it's how you end up with the ball with 18 minutes. And Mississippi State just they dominated them. I mean, it was a tough to take for this season, but I don't know how much I would think that that would carry over just because it's college football. Like you said, you're going to get back in Kroger Field. It's a sellout. People are going to be juiced up. I, I, think, uh, I think if UK can run the ball well this week, They'll, again, have a good chance to be right there in the fourth quarter with a chance to win. But if you're going to go out there and turn the ball over two, three times and Tennessee's um, rolling on offense, then it could be another frustrating night. It could be. But here, here's my final takeaway, and then we'll wrap it up here. There, it's been three weeks counting the bye week. Kentucky was 11th in the AP poll going to Georgia. They're 18th right now following being outscored 61-30 to 30 on the road in two weeks can no longer play the disrespect card, in my opinion, right now. Like, that's pretty respectful that they're still at 18th, given that performance. So, I, that's my last note that I'd like to add, is that I think they're still in a good spot. I think that the voters are still – I think that that shows that they're high on Mark Stoops and what Kentucky's done. And they still probably think that Kentucky has a great shot at winning their Final Four. And we'll see. I mean, Vegas opened with Kentucky as a three-point favorite. We'll see what happens Saturday night. But as always – 
This episode is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. Three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 